Welcome to the Product Quest podcast. Thank you for joining us on our journey to better understand innovation and product strategy. My name is Jan Vermut, and joining me as always are my co-hosts, Scott Burson and Jonathan Edwards. Today, we welcome our very special guest, Indy Young. If you've heard or used the term mental models, that's very much likely because of her work and the book she wrote with the exact same title, Mental Models. Indeed, she pioneered it and as well opportunity maps, mental model diagrams and thinking styles. Indy is a writer, a research and coach for inclusive product strategy. Beyond mental models, she's published Practical Empathy, so a book I very much recommend, and she's very close, I believe, to publishing her next book, Time to Listen. You can find all of that and more on her website, indyoung.com. Well, Indy, thank you so much for for joining us, being here. So pleased to meet you all. Was that kind of a fair introduction? Is there anything we should add so that people kind of find find, uh, what you've been working on? (laughs) Oh, the only thing to add is like this crazy, how long does it really take to write a book? (laughs) (laughs) I I just got your email. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, (laughs) I've been promising this book for years. Um, (laughs) It's in print layout, um, but you know, it, it, it's still, it's still going through print layout. (laughs) Anyway, so look Alfred, time to listen. I hope once we get this out, it will already be published. And then time to listen is the book. Well, I I, I kind of just want to jump in. There's there's a lot of things that I think yeah. is really, really imp- interesting and unique also in your approach and what you're writing and what, what you're working on. But a very important word, well, it's okay, two words exact is that you use that are repeated often and often in, in, in your work is what you call the problem space. Mm-hmm. And and I think you have a very interesting and particular understanding of what that means and what that is. So could you kind of just a little bit elaborate on, on what is the problem space? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the way I'm going to elaborate is sort of take a step back. And that is the way that we are told to do product design in a lot of large organizations is to follow a process and to do it quickly. (laughs) Um, And in fact, I have heard people talking about it as as if they're driving down the highway at 90 kilometers an hour. Um, Actually, I should convert that to more like 120 kilometers an hour (laughs) in the fog. And the whole team is trying to figure out what's like 10 feet ahead of them. So you're not going to crash into something or rather you're not going to like drive off the side of the road by accident, but behind you is coming the competition ahead of you is the other competition. You got to speed. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the mindset. Um, and so we've got these cycles and methodologies of like figuring out which idea we're going to make, how we're going to make that idea and how we're going to roll it out and how we're going to test it and hypothesize it and, you know, do all this kind of either evaluative research or generative research with it. And then the development and testing that and all of it, right. This yeah. speeds along and it's speeding along without much guidance. Um, so all of that ideas, solutions, generative research, all of that is in the solution space. You're coming up with, uh, a, a way that you hope can help somebody address their purpose. Mm. 
Okay. There are okay. some orgs who are not doing that. And I'll talk about those a little later, but <laughs> generally you're trying to help someone address their purpose. And we're doing it based on a strategy of like what the leadership is saying. We're doing yeah. it based on the strategy of like what big data, you know, correlations have been sort of telling us. We're doing it based on, you know, wow, this new technology came out. So let's, you know, let's put chatbots on everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, um, the ideas that are driving us are not, are, are kind of like slap shot, spaghetti at the wall. Oh, they're doing that. We better do it too. Um, it's not intentional. And this is how we end up accidentally driving off the side of the road in the fog because we didn't realize um, that we were, you know, not, we're so focused on the competition that we're not supporting the person. And we're actually in a lot of cases harming the people uh, because we're harming trying- Harming people. Yes, <laughs> because we're trying to design for like a, an average user. There's a, like a normative design like everybody, you know, the, the, what was it? The last thing Tesla came out with like a boom box or something. And they're, they're designing it for like the normative dude who drives a Tesla and wants to go to a kegger or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, obviously that's not the majority. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that I start my book off with is the idea that we come to this realization over and over that when we have gotten mature enough in an industry, we realize that we have been designing for this sort of mythical average person. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe if you're lucky, 5% of your audience is actually that person. Mm. And everybody else is kind of forced to use that same solution and make do, right? Uh, I happen to have a, a, an Aeron chair here with like, what? six cushions on it to try and make it fit me. <laughs> so, you know, we, okay. we do make rounds. We're like, whatever. Um, and the idea of the problem space is mm. to put it as opposing the solution space. We're not interested in ideas or solutions in the problem space. And the reason I do that is so that then in the middle, we can actually have something called a strategy space. Mm. And we can okay. fill the strategy space with knowledge that we create from the problem space about what's going through people's minds as they address their purpose. And what we do is we find that there are different approaches, there are different thinking styles. Um, once we see these patterns, we do the, the research in the problem space in a certain way um, so that we can synthesize and find patterns. We're not analyzing the data. So that's another big difference in what is happening yeah. in the problem space. Yeah. But the whole idea is in that strategy space now, it's not just leadership and, and big data and the tech that's coming out. It is very specifically, well, which thinking styles have we harmed really badly? Which thinking mm -hmm. styles are we ignoring? Um, let's get, I actually have four different levels of harm. One is just mild harm, which is what most organizations are after, which is like, let's make it less frustrating or less annoying for them or less yeah. confusing, right? Yeah. That's mild harm. You go a little bit further, you're making someone feel unwelcome. You're making okay. someone feel 
doubt, self-doubt, like, you know, all those buttons that say, you know, here's the ad for the printer um, refills or whatever. Hey, they're on sale and you have to press the button that says, you know, I'm going to miss out on this. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> That's total gaslighting. Um, and it's, it's harmful. Not only the fact that it is interrupting someone's productivity, um, but it's making them have a tiny bit of subconscious self-doubt. You go a little farther and there's serious harm. Um, some of the software that's being used in the courts in various countries incarcerate people based on an average. Okay. Some of the software used, yeah. and this is in um, Kathy O'Neill's Weapons of Math Destruction book, um, some of the software used to calculate how much you pay in auto insurance is based yeah. on your postal code, the neighbors around you. Yeah. Yeah. So I see. So I just come, I just, it came to mind. I think there is also, there's actual empirical evidence that women are, are much likely to take away very serious bodily damage for a car from a car accident because the seats and the seat belts were designed for the average, which is, which is a male body. Right. So, and then the kind of the, okay. So oh, that's very interesting. So very different levels of harm. Yeah. Very and that different. all stems from, from the, the idea of the average user. Is that, is that kind of fair to say? Or Yes. Yeah. yeah. It goes kind of back to what you were saying in the very beginning. So that somehow in the solution space, we are, we are on, we're unintentional. I mean, it's, it's so much based on speed and kind of delivering the product that it's, it's not done intentionally. Yeah. But, but at the same time, isn't, I mean, I'm just trying to challenge you that a little bit. Isn't speed also necessary or how, how yeah. do you, I mean? Yeah. So what, what I'd like to, so we've got these three things. We've got the problem space, right? Problem space is where we're understanding people as they address their purpose. Not, we don't care what tool they're using. And we care about yeah. them talking about a lot of tools, meaning memory, meaning talking to the neighbor, meaning remembering like how grandmother did it or um, meaning uh, habits and, and, and ways of thinking and guiding principles, right? Yeah. Um, so then we have the solution, I mean, sorry, the strategy space in the middle. And so it's being fed with this better understanding of different approaches. This is where the opportunity map and the gaps that we see up here, and this is where the thinking styles are. Now we get to put those in the beginning of the solution space. And the solution space now can ratchet down and look at one smaller section of what they're trying to solve with very specific players, with very specific different thinking styles, um, and maybe come up with a solution for one thinking style and a different one for a different thinking style. And sure, speed down, speed down that highway, but dang it, okay. we don't have any fog anymore. <laughs> okay, uh, that's very uh, nice. Yeah. Okay, so it's you're not saying you're not against. Let's say you're not against speed. No, or whatever, no. But it's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that everybody asks me: Well, how do you fit problem-based research into those processes? And you don't. <laughs> you yeah. just don't. It's a different thing, um, yeah. and it has to happen slowly. What it what generally happens is that people will do it interleaved with their other speeding things, solution space things. And um, so some yeah. of this research can take six months, eight months. I just worked with a client for a year uh, mm. developing a set of thinking styles. 
And now we're in the strategy space. We just had the meeting on Friday where we okay. get to start thinking about how, which, which thing is a priority. So in the strategy space, you're looking at all of these gaps and you're going, well, which, which gap do we want to play in? Which I call them sandboxes. Which sandbox do we want to play in? And what other toys can we put in the sandbox where the, where the other toys are like some, some quant correlations. The other toys are something the competition's doing. The other toys are maybe some tech or something. But the reason for the sandbox is the person and their approach to this okay. subsection and okay. the gap that we've got there. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's, I will dive into a lot of that in more detail. I just kind of want to, want to ask, maybe it's more of a tactical question, even, but yeah. how, how, do, how do you make clients or corporates as a, or organizations as a whole realize kind of the value of the problem space. I mean, how do you how do you get them to notice and see? Hey, we should probably pay a little bit more time and, and effort on on <laughs> actually understanding the problem of of the people. Yeah. We serve. I mean, yeah. There's two answers to that. Um, in in one case, people will start to open their minds to it when I start talking about how we track over time the the reduction of harm, the improvement, the more inclusion of people. And there is a way to okay. do that using the opportunity map and the thinking styles. So that's one way people will, will recognize that there is, um, there is a metric. Um, there's a benchmark that we set and we're moving up. Okay. Okay. So that's, yeah. that's one thing. The other thing <laughs> is actually, um, is a little bit less tactical. And that is that some person that has done work with this before or worked with me before goes into a new company and says, we're doing this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's also some people who are like, um, they're, they're high enough up in their organization that they can have access to the, um, the financial plan for the year. They can look and see where the money's going and they can say, oh, it's going to, customer service, I'm going to go talk to that VP and see if we can't do a project together in the problem space, because it'll help both of us. And yep. I don't have very much of that budget <laughs> <laughs> and she does. So I'm going to go talk to her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, But yeah. it's right. I think it, it takes kind of a certain, I don't know, sensibility, or you have to have realized that, that that's not that this speedy unoriented solutioning is not a way to work and it does more harm than it actually solves, even if there are great intentions behind it. There's, there's, I guess maybe a third way too, is that people um, have been harmed themselves. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And yeah. there's a lot of us out there who've been harmed. <laughs> you do not want a recording of me trying to work with Microsoft Word. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. 100% and, and our, right. I'm sure that I'm not alone, but there are, you know, there's somebody that they built it for. <laughs> yeah. So, so why are we not improving that? Why are we not trying to track this getting up? Yeah. Making it better for different approaches. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to jump in and, and maybe ask if you could, uh, Maybe give an example of uh, thinking style and maybe dive in a bit more into what the opportunity maps are, if it's possible to explain yeah. it via audio. 
Yeah, it's uh, so I also have videos um, that we're going to get up on the website someday. Um, and the new book talks a little bit about it as well. Um, I do talk about it in the other two books. Um, so a thinking style, the definition of a thinking style starts out this way. It's a demographics free archetype. Mm. Okay. I'm going to force that demographics free on you at yeah. first, because it is in reaction to the way that a lot of people use personas or create yeah. personas out of thin air. Um, that's not how you're supposed to create personas, but that's how it's done because they're doing it in the solution space and they're on a time budget. So they've got one hour. <laughs> yeah. Right. And Let's make all us sit together. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> sit in a room and we make the soccer persona. moms who enjoy chocolate uh yeah exactly and yeah weirdly and the enough thing... they're very abstract they have names <laughs> and they have uh <laughs> children and they live in this city yeah we... right right mm -hmm. and so the the personas have nothing to do with the purpose right right and worse i set after set of personas that i look at i'm like this is all the same thinking style just with different demographics attached to it right mm. Yeah, yeah, you guys have not been able to get out of outside oh, of your own can, thinking. Yeah, I can so I yeah. so often we see personas that are there is no difference. There is yeah. no difference. Yeah, in, I mean, no okay, difference. yeah, their age difference, yeah. but what They're does it matter? They're all graduates I mean, from university. They all are the same age. They all live in an urban setting. They're yeah. you know, they they all work for a uh, you know at a at a corporate nine to five job kind of. Not that that exists anymore, but now yeah. that we're all. But for you, did I get yeah. that right? Kind of thinking style is then that is what differentiates kind of groups of people or, or is that even yeah. an individual so let me, level? Let me go a little farther into the definition. So mm. there are archetypes, there are mindsets, you might say. Um, but the other part of it is that they are based on patterns from listening sessions. So they're based on patterns from listening sessions where we see certain core approach to the purpose, similarities between people. And this core approach is made up of specifically interior cognition and interior cognition is made up of three things itself. It's like kind of this jawbreaker candy you go in, 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 and then. Yeah. <laughs> What's the it, these Russian dolls? Like we're <laughs> Exactly. So in the in interior cognition, we have inner thinking, we have emotional reactions, and we have guiding principles. Mm -hmm. And there's some definitions for those that are very specific, um, which I can get into, but let's pop back up to the thinking style definition. The, the thinking styles are based on patterns that we see, and those are not people who are identical in all of their interior cognition, but similar in some core. So the mm. thinking styles I'm gonna use as an example are thinking styles of people with the purpose of getting to the airport to get onto the plane, okay? I believe this could also work for people getting to the station to get on the train. It's a long distance trip getting to the bus station to get on a long distance bus trip, but it's a long distance trip kind of thing. Mm. Um, and so what is it that you are bringing that guides your behavior with respect to that purpose? And there's like maybe three or four 
or maybe at the most five things that make up that core. So one of the thinking styles is the let's do this correctly thinking style. Okay. Like if we all do this correctly, then we're all, everything's going to go smoother. We're all going to get our, like what we purchased, the way that people talked about it was get our due, get my due, um, Mm. getting through security. This is the mindset. Let's do this smoothly. Um, if you would just, you know, be prepared, then nobody would have to like stop the line and hand off their water bottle. <laughs> oh, I think I'm one of those. I think I'm one of those. <laughs> I immediately connect. So, Andy, <laughs> not correct on if you're if you're a let's do it correctly thinking style. You you sort of have these standards for yourself, and you also have those. You apply them to others, whether they've asked for it or not. Or am I looking too much in? In a way, yeah. What what you're you're not applying it to them, but you're wishing that if we all sort of paid attention in this way, then everything would be beautiful. Now, originally, the team I was working with wanted to call this group the Grumblers. (laughs) (laughs) Now. Jan, how would you feel to be called a grumbler? That's totally wrong labeling. Right? (laughs) Because I'm an efficient guy. I know what's best for you. Of course. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Internal perspective is, is of course, not negative. I mean. (laughs) No. And so many of those personas out there have like the wrong name. A name that no one would call themselves, right? Yeah. So there's a there's a there's four of these that came up, and it's interesting because I use the same data in my courses, and people still come up with these same four patterns. Um, Mm. So they may like put different, slightly different tweaks to the naming and stuff like that. But the second one is um, in the bubble. So I need either because I'm nervous about this um, or because like I do it so often and it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a chore. So, or, or, or maybe it's a chore because I'm bringing, I'm, I'm, I'm shepherding a rock band (laughs) and I'm the manager, right? This was, this was uh, some of the data. And what I'm going to do is make a bubble, a peaceful bubble. So inside this bubble, it's going to be peaceful. And um, I'm going to, you know, sit with people who are experienced um, and also peaceful. I'm going to do that in the gate and on board. I'm going to, um, I'm going to bring things to entertain myself or keep myself peaceful. Sometimes though, if you're nervous, it's bringing things to distract yourself. And that bubble is also a shield to keep you from letting your own stress out and affecting other people. This is a big part of this thinking style is Mm. to not let your own stress affect other people. So if you're in the bubble, it sounds like there's a a degree of preparation. You've thought this ahead of time and you've made, you've made, you've, you've planned for the experience so that you can live in the bubble. Is that right? Yes, 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 exactly. Now, what's interesting is that you could have planned and everything is in the bubble and you're in this peaceful situation, but flights get canceled, uh, you know, children get upset. It's like all crashing down. And then all of a sudden you're maybe the let's do this correctly. (laughs) Oh, so a thinking style is not kind of your DNA or your It is not so it, a horoscope. 
It but but can you change? Can you be different? Oh yeah. Thinking. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Usually, it doesn't shift as much as uh, it does for planes for that purpose. Like if mm. your purpose is to protect my family, it's going to shift slower. Yeah. Over life events, right? Okay. But it changes. So so just to see if I if I get this right. So the would it be correct to say that the thinking style is basically the combination of the reasoning, the reactions and the guiding principles, or is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's a combination of the, there's like a set of like four or five of those um, that several people in your listening sessions had. And we ended up doing a hundred listening sessions. Um, oh, wow. This was a huge project. <laughs> Normally, I do like 12 or 20. Mm. It depends. I have a, I have a, an equation for figuring out how many listening sessions I need to do. And then I double check to see if I'm getting patterns as I go and add more people if I need to, or subtract people if I have got patterns. Actually, as you mentioned patterns, um, this is something that I would, I would, I was wanting to ask you about it, it, what exactly are patterns? Because I I wasn't quite sure I completely got it uh, when yeah. I was reading the book. So, yeah. so I think so, it's connected to this, yeah. Yeah, it is it is connected to this. And the definition of patterns is um, one of the big differences uh, between uh, the, the way that I do the work and the way that typical qualitative data is treated. Okay. Um, so... One of the things with typical qualitative data is that people will go through and sort of tag things. Um, this is a this, this is a that. Yeah. And then they'll go back and they'll organize the tags. Um, some of them, they do it more open uh, than closed. So the tags are different, right? But they're going back and they're looking at the tags and they're coming up with insights. I don't get insights until the end when we do our gap analysis. Insights don't happen when you're doing data synthesis. Data synthesis is all about making sure the other people's voices come out and are heard and are not filtered through my own brain. Because when, when you do analysis on qualitative data, when in that two-step process, mm. each researcher will come up with different insights, slightly different. Okay. And that is why qualitative data is distrusted by a lot of people because it seems squishy. It seems subjective. Yeah. So I do synthesis. Synthesis is not, it is like me erasing myself from it all and simply summarizing the concepts that each person speaks about at that interior cognition. So I summarize inner thinking, I summarize emotional reactions, and I summarize guiding principles. And I do that for each person. And then I look for patterns based on focus of mental attention. And so the focus of mental attention might be, um, you know, plan what I'm going to eat on this mm. trip, right? Um, and not everybody has that focus of mental attention. But some people do. It happens at different points in time. Um, but you're going to have a bunch of inner thinking. You're going to have a bunch of emotional reactions. You're maybe going to have some guiding principles as well. <laughs> guiding Same. principle. Yeah. Never, never spend more than $20 on an airport meal. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> 
So that would be a, gu- a guiding principle. For yeah, instance. guiding principles are not values. Guiding principles are personal rules. Mm. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. And yeah. this is true that actually, I mean, I mean, as we were talking about this um, uh, beforehand, we, I mean, we're all quite fans of jobs to be done, yeah. and I think this is maybe, maybe the others will correct me if I'm wrong, but something that's not necessarily. This may be lacking in in jobs to be done. I don't know, or is there? Would there be a parallel? I mean, what's what's your yeah? So I on this? I have spent nine months having uh, like a monthly or biweekly meeting with people talking about jobs to be done to try to understand the differences and similarities. And I think mm. if you take it all the way back to what Tony Olwood does, um, and when he takes his time to do it, it's very similar. I think the thinking styles are different. Um, jobs to be done still yeah. goes with roles. And roles are not thinking styles. Um, But I think if you do it right, you can do it with thinking styles. I don't know how he synthesizes the data. And I think if you, um, if you take, so I have people in my courses who use jobs to be done and they apply synthesis to it. Yeah. Okay. And so it's a beautiful, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just that I am more focused on making sure we don't let our assumptions get in there, making sure we get away from the average user, making sure that we include different styles of thinking, you know, non-normative ways of thinking. Um, And let's try to make more people feel welcome because if we make more people feel welcome, they're going to have a better uh, time addressing their purpose a better way of doing it. Uh, maybe it'll waste less of their time. Maybe more mm. things will get made or created and the human race will flourish. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I really had the feeling, I mean, if, if you're kind of, um, let's say a little bit versed in, 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 in the language of jobs to be done, a lot of the things you were talking about, I, you kind of, I almost had the feeling like you can translate it into, into one of, or the other. I mean, if you, yeah. if you talk about, and the, the way in which you form, talked about the problem space, like let's forget about the solution. Let's, mm-hmm. let's not look at the solutions that we want to develop mm-hmm. because if we're doing that, we're already biasing everything that we got. Th- that's immediately the way I think, okay, that's jobs to be done to yep. me at least. Yeah. And then yeah. when you're using that, that expression where you say a person, what is it exactly? So in, in working towards her purpose. Addressing their purpose. Addressing yeah. their purpose. Yeah. So that you could almost translate it as, the person is trying to get a job done or, yeah, or isn't that it's close. So addressing your purpose is a little bit broader than that okay. because it could be that you are postponing. <laughs> you're putting it off. You don't want to do it. Okay. Okay. It could be yeah. that you're, it's a purpose that's like protecting your family. And I know Tony Ulwick did one that was uh, uh, jobs to be done of that particular purpose and so it could take a long time and Mm. you don't address it continuously yeah yeah so one of the things that i think is another difference is that i when i do listening sessions um i try to get the person in memory mode we are not talking about them using a product this is not evaluative this is not generative research this is problem-based research we're asking them what went through your mind as you were addressing that purpose. Mm. Okay. And, and all those different times that you address the purpose that you remember, you won't remember all of them. 
And there's yeah. even situations, there's purposes that you can't, like it went all subconscious on you and you can't, you can't get your interior cognition out. And so for those, um, like for example, cooking dinner, right? Cooking yeah. dinner as a creative chef was a scope and scoping these purposes is a really important part of this. Um, I have a whole chapter on it in the book. <laughs> um, so we'll get, I want to get into that later on, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but for cooking dinner, like half the things you're doing, you're not thinking about yeah. if you've done this a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was just talking to my niece and, and they're all like, Oh, I have to think about everything. Cause they're just starting out <laughs> with their own first apartment <laughs> cooking. So anyway, then it's very, yeah, yeah, it's yeah very then it's very conscious. Can... Yeah. But, um, but in these cases I go and as they're cooking dinner, first mm. I have a listening session with them by whatever medium we want. We can do it by text. We can do it by phone. We can do it by video, whatever. Right. Um, but okay. then I go when they're cooking dinner and we already have this really warm relationship. Um, and in fact, with a listening session, you actually do an intro session first where you start building rapport and the intro session yeah, allows okay. you to have a warm connect. Yeah. So it's, it's a slightly more human way of getting someone to talk about their interior cognition. And then you're in the room while they're cooking and we're still doing another listening session and they're talking and talking. And I'm also observing a little bit of what they're doing. And I'm like, why the heck are you, you know, slicing the, um, oh, I can't remember the name. It's a root that's, that's bright orange, like ginger. Um, and she's, no, <laughs> I don't know. Turmeric, turmeric. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Why are you slicing the turmeric like above the pot in the air with a knife? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And there was some interior cognition about that, that happened way in the past. And so memory mode is super, super important. What happened way in the past ah, was when okay. they first started incorporating turmeric in their mm. meals, um, it stained and ruined one of their favorite cutting boards. Yeah. Ah, oh, right. nice. I love that yeah. because I I never believed people who say that that whatever is unconscious or that we're just doing it unconsciously is that we're doing it because we're stupid or we didn't think about it. I think <laughs> that is that it's it's dead wrong. Some, Even if something we are in the past, yeah. Working in if you are walking through a grocery store and we pick something without yeah. thinking. I never bought that there is there wasn't something going on at some place yeah. at, at some point in time. That's just the, not yeah, people but, are much smarter than most yeah. people believe. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. People are smart. That's my motto. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is smart. We have these incredible human brains. Yeah. Um, no matter what level and walk of life you come from no matter how you're judged by the education system right you have this yeah. beautiful brain one of the most oh, sorry, yeah. one of the most uh almost exciting things i've heard you say there's almost i don't know if it's a, a dirty little secret but it's something that practitioners know practitioners know how powerful qualitative work is and even though we sort of we like the statisticians uh minded folks will you know they'll are quick to point out the limitations but when you actually build stuff create stuff you know how many times do you do have we seen where you do the qualitative work and then the quantitative more or less supports you are you basically when you finish the qual 
you, you, you really you sort of have what you need yeah. already and then the quant often yeah. is something to sort of yeah. stamp it for people that um yeah the wording but who put who um who are just dismissive of it and so one of them it's i just am really excited to hear about just the the powerful or how you're you're all in with with the qualitators like no apology like yeah we're all there's, in no, there's no apology and if you think about it too like the quantitative is so focused on the solution we're looking at supporting a person through the aperture or the lens of our solution sure right yeah, and so we especially up, today in this data yeah, mining yeah. stuff yeah, we yeah. end up in these little tight loops and and it mm. doesn't help <laughs> synthesis so it sounds like you are so like with um well just in, with any time a qualitative um you're, you try to forget about the solution like you try to right. separate that. but but you're going beyond that you're not even you're you're not only not thinking about the solution, you're going to make sure and not draw conclusions yet, if I understand correctly. Correct. You're like, right. I am measuring this person. They get my full focus. I'm going to measure yes. everything about them. And I'm not going to say, and I'm not going to say, you know what, in the middle of the, that was similar to what this person, this other city yes. thought, and this other city yes. thought. And that's what, as a qualitative mm. interviewer, I am guilty of, and I, but yes. I, I, um, if I'm under, I think if I understand yeah. you correctly. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. So there's like two things that I can talk about with regard to listening sessions. Yeah. One is what you just said. You pay rapt attention. Yeah. That is 90% of your cognition. You're not yeah. doing other cognition. You try actively to stop your other cognition and just follow what the person is saying. Mm. Okay. Um, by the way, you don't get to bring up any topics. You only get Ooh. to start a listening session with the germinal question, which says what went through your mind as you were addressing that purpose. That okay. is actually is quite a, a similarity into a jobs be done interview. Yeah, because the the you you set the scope as you talked about cooking dinner. We're here to mm -hmm. talking about Sean just cooking dinner. And that is your contribution to you're just setting you're yeah. just setting a, um, yeah. a framework. And within that, you sort of back away. And yeah, you back that, away. You, you don't. Well, the key is not to bring up any topics. You right. can go back to a topic. Say earlier, you brought up something right. when you know there, there's like something, and you're like, "Hang on." <laughs> so let's follow that that path, right? You can do that. You can you can switch, but generally, you're following. You're not switching in the middle of their thought. Um, and the idea, so 90% of your cognition is rapt attention. There's two things you're allowed to do. These are background processes. One of them is to notice whether we are hearing things at the exterior layers or hearing things at that interior cognition layer. Mm. Are we at exterior? Or are we at cognition? Interior cognition. Okay. Interior, exterior. Um, the exterior consists of uh, the description layer and the expression layer and the expression layer. So description obviously is like explanations, processes, um, you know, how it was supposed to work, uh, scene setting, uh, statements of facts, stuff like that. The typical stuff that you get in an interview. Mm. Expression layer is opinions and preferences, attitudes and behaviors towards a brand. Okay. That's also typically So when they express. Yeah. A, a okay. Yeah. Those are things that we're not interested in. They're going to come up. We are not going to hear them. We kind of have to hear them to get the scene. 
mm -hmm. we're not interested in them because we're interested in that interior cognition. Okay, the second background process is, are we in session mode or memory mode? So in session mode, that's where we're aware of each other and we are in this conversation together. Um, like early, you know, that's the stuff I was telling you earlier. Here we are in conversation together. Okay, that'll come up. Okay. It's like it's like a sea mammal, you know, going down deep and then <laughs> coming up for air. Memory mode is when the person is like caught in their memory. Yeah. And, and, and unfolding for you their interior cognition. So session mode and memory mode. So this, these are two background processes, okay? The other thing is uh, the techniques that you use to get somebody to interior cognition. There, mm. what, you're, what you're doing is as you're paying rapt attention, you're noticing, oh, wow, that there? Sounds like there could be some interior cognition beneath it. I'm going to stay quiet, but it's a pull tab. It's a pull tab. I'm going to keep it in my memory because yeah. probably the person's going to unpack it. Um, but if they don't unpack it, I might jot it down. I'm not taking any notes. These things are being recorded um, yeah. either, or if we're doing it by text over the course of two or four weeks or something, that's fine too. It's being recorded that way. Um, if a person needs to get up and draw, we will need to take a picture of that, that kind of a thing. Um, I love that this is, I, sorry to interject, but <laughs> it, it seems like, but it, it, it's not, and I don't want to kind of frame this in a negative way, but you're completely open as to where it goes. It, it, this, a listening session is kind of much more like, like a way in which to talk to people, but then the means we use for that, paint, uh, text, uh, whatever. I mean, there are a thousand ways to do it. Yeah. You, you, you somehow don't, you don't care about that at all. Right. Because again, if the, the, the same way of talking to somebody, you can, you can, you can do it through whatever. Is, is that? Yeah, that is being a little bit more inclusive than we have been in the past. That is and recognizing that other people can have preferences in communication. That is recognizing that other people have not been included because we excluded the way that they are comfortable communicating. Wow, okay. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you mentioned in the book, actually, you, you, you quote some spiritual leaders in uh, your last book, uh, Practical Empathy. Um, and I, and, and this, what we've just discussed reminds me of this because I think these listening sessions, they, uh, in a, in a sense, there's some connection with uh, meditation or this kind of observing yourself. Also, there's a lot of those kinds of processes going on. Uh, and uh, so that was really interesting reading the book. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, there are parts of the book, um, a whole chapter on kind of like paying attention to yourself and letting it go in also creating a safe space. So that there, we could have a whole other discussion about creating a safe space and connecting with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Um, I actually wanted to, you were talking about what we don't want to listen, uh, what we're not looking for. So basically uh, descriptions, uh, you're talking, so explanations, right. uh, opinions, and and then you said we're looking for internal cognition and interior cognition. That's interior, inner sorry, interior. Yeah, could yeah. you maybe say what that is then? I mean, uh, yeah. how do we recognize In that? Inner thinking, 
emotional reactions, guiding principles, and they can be implied. So this and is they, what we were talking about before. Yes, uh, it's the okay, same great. core three things. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And those three core things actually are the definition of cognitive empathy. Okay. That's why those three things. Cognitive empathy in yes. with what would be other kinds of uh, oh, empathy? Oh, <laughs> maybe I, I, now you've uh, opened the box. Okay. I've so, opened the box. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in the psychology world, there are many types of empathy. Each one has a different, uh, like, set of terminology that they use around it. Um, typically, when you see a book like Against Empathy by Paul Bloom, they're talking about emotional contagion. That's a type of empathy. When you hear people saying compassion is more noble than empathy, compassion is a type of empathy. Okay. Um, when you hear Dr. Brene Brown talking about empathy, she's usually talking about empathic listening. That's an in the moment kind of support for someone to tell them you are listening so that they can choose whether or not to unburden themselves with whatever was going on. Generally, that kind of empathy, um, empathic listening is associated with Emotional reactions are not interior cognition, but interior cognition is a huge part of it. Guiding principles are a huge part of it. It's also associated with negative, not positive. And you can totally, mm. you know, somebody might, you know, you'll notice this is an in the moment sort of thing. You'll notice like somebody pausing or having an expression or doing it like an intake of breath or something. You're like, huh, something's going on for you. Okay. It could be interior thinking. It could be that a guiding principle is at play. It's like a hint or a symptom. Mm, yeah. Something's developing over so there. So back no. to hints and symptoms, these pull tabs, those are hints that there could okay. be interior cognition that we could get down. So inner thinking, it sounds like a lot of different things. It could be somebody's um, kind of like actual inner voice. It could be the way that they're... Um, internalizing a decision it could be the guiding principle they're applying to that decision um, mm. or the guiding principle that they're ignoring despite the fact it's their <laughs> guiding principle um, yeah. it could be the emotional reaction that um, is influencing uh, some thinking or causing another emotional reaction to show up um, there was a, a an example that I use in the book that um, this woman is uh, going, uh, it's the early pandemic and she's having her groceries delivered, right? That's statement of fact, right? Or explanation. Yeah. yeah something in the exterior layer. And you're like, oh, there's kind of like a, a, could be a pull tag there. What's, what's that decision? How did that decision happen? And then she keeps going. She's like, I used to get my groceries delivered and I loved it. And that's a preference. So that's an expression. Um, they just bring it right into my kitchen. It's so, you know, Mm. exciting and that's an emotional reaction that they every time they bring it to her kitchen she feels that emotional reaction generalized emotional reaction not very specific but um and then she says i made myself quit when i retired because i told myself hey i i have time to go to the store now <laughs> there's there that's a pull tab there's probably yeah. some interior cognition there um, but the purpose that we were studying was not about decisions made during retirement. 
and changes that you yeah. made after retire. We had a different purpose. So I didn't pursue that pull tab. I pursued the other pull tabs about this decision to go back to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then the decision to go start going back to the store again. And, you know, oh, my husband, you know, told me about it. And I was thinking I could do that. That's interior cognition. I really like how you describe it. Like, it seems like you're very attentive all the time and like lo looking for his pull tabs, you're, call you're calling them. Yeah. And, then, and then you kind of have to decide. I mean, yeah. w w which, which ones am I going to pursue? Yeah, you because kind of probably have to decide. Yeah. Hundreds or thousands. Even. And you're, I don't know. you're I mean, not yeah. going to go through, you're not going to get to like, completely explore all yeah. of them you're just following the person yeah and when the person indicates that they're finished talking about their interior cognition as addressing this purpose um then you're done with the listening session yeah. often these yeah. things take me two hours because <laughs> people get really <laughs> into it <laughs> so you do not stop a listening session oh really outside no no, it's over when the person's finished. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah, and it could finish early. And you don't try to force them to keep talking. But hmm. with these pull tabs, there's actually eight techniques. There's five techniques for asking for interior cognition. Hmm. And then there's three more techniques for asking about clarity of cognition. Yeah. And that's what I unfold in the book. How, what are these techniques? How do you do them? Um, okay. so there's, and, and how the hell are you like watching to see what layer you're at and all, you know, and still paying rapt attention, <laughs> which is like, That's, oh my God. 10% that you don't use is on methodology. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It takes practice. Yeah. It is not something that you would want to do all the time. And in fact, I only do one a day when I'm doing research. This is not the typical mm -hmm. thing where you schedule like six people in one day and you've got to get between them. And, and by the second one, you can't remember who said what already. Yeah. That's very interesting. I mean, we, we do four a day at max, but two people and we switch. So, yeah. I mean, if you're really paying attention, yeah, I mean, don't. that's, it's yeah. draining. It yeah. really takes a lot of energy. It, it, you need to pay rapt attention to them before the listening session. Yeah, You need to pay rapt attention to them after the listening session as well. And what yeah. I mean by that is that after that listening session, you're vibrating with their thoughts. Mm. You're holding their thoughts, right? Their interior cognition as they address this purpose, very specific to this purpose, their memories. You sit with them, right? Yeah, yeah. you might have to go to a meeting or something, but in the back of your mind, you can sort of like, I just... I, I just want to write down these core things that I remember and yeah. I'm going to write them as a summary. And these summaries take a very specific format so that we can find patterns. And Jonathan asked me about patterns. Um, so that is a whole nother thing. <laughs> I, it's okay. not in the book. <laughs> Some 20 minutes ago, we started th thinking about patterns or something. <laughs> I know, right? Tabs we haven't pulled yet. from. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of pull tabs in here. But, you know, I don't go. Sorry. Yeah, we're, we're just not going to cover all the pull tabs. That was sure. that was my point yeah. there. It's like, I like actually thinking of it as um, a landscape. Mm. And it's somebody's yeah. like favorite hike or something or favorite neighborhood walk um, or favorite drive or whatever it is, right? And they're going to take us to the places that are important to them. 
yeah. that they have done some thinking about. We're not going to cover everything. Yeah. Yeah. I re- By the way, just as a kind of, as, I don't, as, as a side mentioned, I think there's something that, that is where you're much more precise, to be honest, than, than, than we are in, jo- oh, well, we are, whatever that means, in <laughs> jobs to be done, in jobs to be done, because uh-huh. I never really bought that there are, we, I mean, there's this very common distinction of functional jobs, social jobs, and emotional jobs. And, but, mm-hmm. but you're using the word emotional reaction. And I, yeah. honestly, I think that's much more precise. I don't really think that people truly have emotional jobs, but, yeah. but emotions are reactions. You react to something in a certain way, but it's not like I don't pursue, I, I don't want to get the, I mean, that's, it's just, I don't, I don't think humans work this way. Humans, right. it, 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 right. love yeah. is a reaction. I mean, yes, yeah. you can say, you can speak metaphorically, but I want I seek love or I seek, I seek, um, I don't know, um, fun or happiness, but but you react to a, so, I mean, to a solution in the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Much more precise there. Exactly. And one of the other things that I have trouble with, with jobs to be done, is that like, what if we could replace that word job with purpose? Mm. Cause that's the, that's the one artificial thing about it. I was, Otherwise I, I, I think mean, it's could, so similar. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I mean, there is, I wanted to get into the, sorry, I don't know if Jonathan, you had other (laughs) questions because he's by the looks of it, you're thinking about a lot. There's some internal cognition going on there. I think. Yeah. See, see, you're doing some empathic listening there. (laughs) No, go go ahead. Well, I wanted to ask, I I mean, there's a lot of things I want to ask. Okay. First of all, this exactly on this word purpose. I mean, um, I think it it kind of is sometimes used interchangeably, at least Clayton Christensen. He, he, I think he, also talks about purpose. I, okay. I don't know, Scott, you know the work of Oleg much better, but I think Christensen, he more or less used it at least interchangeably in some, oh, okay. Okay. some aspects. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know. I mean, wh- wh- why did you settle on purpose? Isn't also purpose something, let's say, very lofty or yeah. every brand has a yeah. purpose? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I actually was calling it intent for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, every single word has baggage. And so yeah. my approach is I'm yeah. just going to use something that's somewhat clear if I can define it. And then I don't care what words you use. And I would love it if you mix this process up with jobs to be done, like a lot of the people that I have already spoken with uh, have done. Um, okay. I am and, not and goal. Huh? How do you differentiate with a goal? For example, yeah, why didn't you choose goal? It can't be a goal. It could be a goal. Um, sometimes though, you don't think of these things as a goal, like cooking dinner is not a goal, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't care. It, it is, it is, it is, it is large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so what the heck word am I going to use to like <laughs> indicate this largeness? <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, the, the why the reason I was kind of twitching before is uh, because I was trying to remember um, a quote around purpose. I, it, I I know I've read it in the past week, but I just I don't remember where it is, so I couldn't get to it. But anyway, I did have a question around this notion of intent or purpose, as you call it now, um, which is how do you go from uh, so these three core things that you're looking for, the reasoning, the reactions and the guiding principles to go to understanding what the purpose or the intent is, or do I, have I understood this correctly? 
Yeah, so we're we're choosing the purpose up front so that we can listen to a lot of people about that same purpose. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. if we listen to different people about different purposes, we would have no patterns. Mm. Ah, okay, okay. So yeah. that was okay. So that's the scope basically that that's you give before. Okay, yes. okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's very much the same as the job. It's just one of the other words. Yeah, sure. Let's. It could be a job. It could be a goal. It could be you know this yeah. little smaller intent. It could be this like more backgroundy thing I'm procrastinating about. Um, it could be lots of things. <laughs> so I could give you some examples of purposes that I have done research about if you were interested. Sure. sure okay. Yeah. So the, we already did the, the getting to the airport and getting on board purpose, right? Um, there was a purpose of changing my personal identity. Oh, wow. There, yeah. Fun. Uh, there was a purpose of, um, uh, Found, uh, so as an entrepreneur who's already started a business, um, like keeping, like maturing that business, keeping that business alive and afloat. Mm. Okay. Um, there was one of, um, as a software developer using uh, any old SDK, like figuring out why it's not working the way I thought. Okay. Okay. very specific okay yeah, yeah okay. super specific and uh, purpose mm -hmm. can be like large yeah. it can be super large exploratory and it can be very specific um like one of them was deciding which cell phone mobile phone to replace my current yeah. mobile phone with right yeah. yeah yeah because i mean one of the the issues that we i, I think comes up often in the jobs to be done community is of course okay at what level of abstraction do you define yeah. a, a job? Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, do you have the same kind of uh, um, issue with your approach or cause I mean, some of these that you, these no, purposes, it's like a, pretty broad. Yeah. yeah. It, the pretty same abstract. thing happens, but it's not an issue. That, okay. So that's interesting, yeah. but yeah. So the same why thing wouldn't... happens, but it's something that we get to discuss. So I have a whole course on framing your study um, because framing your study takes a lot of thought. Yes. It takes a couple of months. Okay. Even to decide on which thing, because you'll come up with lots of things to look at, but there are, um, and in framing your study there, I, I told you that there's these different levels, right? There's super broad, there's sort of like a medium one, and then there's very specific. Um, and you may have already done some of this problem space research where it appeared that there were blank spaces and mm. you wanted to zero in on those and do another couple of studies, right? Or it appeared that people were talking about, like one of them was taking care of your clothes. And one thing that people talked about, I mean, it was from somebody who makes washing machines. So obviously they had this idea in mind of a solution, right? But taking care of your clothes actually included figuring out when to get rid of clothing. Okay. Right. And it, people yeah. talked about all these different approaches that they used. Right. Yeah. Um, it talked about a whole bunch of other things, especially like organizing clothing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so by that process, we could say, Oh, you know, we're not interested in helping people decide to get rid of clothing or 
maybe that's an opportunity, mm-hmm. right? More, so one of them was a, a study about how employers, so in the US, and I'm sure in a lot of countries, there is a, a law about um, hire, making sure you hire a percentage of your employees who have disabilities. And there's a, an office that tries to help employers understand this law and adhere to it. And that office did a, a problem-based research around what goes through your mind as you are hiring and supporting people with disabilities, as you hired them mm. in the past, right? Yeah. I don't care about future. I only care about past. And one of the things that became evident, so we, like it, these great big neighborhoods showed up in the opportunity map. The opportunity map is a mental model diagram on top and your org's capabilities below. And the gaps are the way that they don't support certain towers in that city skyline or certain whole neighborhoods or certain thinking styles. And that's what happened. They realized they were only, there were two thinking styles out of that research. They were only supporting one thinking style and they were mostly only supporting the idea of disability uh, from being a veteran. Oh, okay. It was interesting. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so that immediately gave us some sandboxes, right? Mm. Which sandbox do we want to do? I don't get involved in that so much. They're like, bye, thank you for your work. (laughs) (laughs) And then they have all these sandboxes to decide between. Yeah. That was actually and, one of my questions after when you've yeah. delivered your insights at the end, to what degree do you stay with them for actually developing I, solutions? I, I normally stay with them to define sandboxes at least yeah. and to talk about yeah. like, well, what other data do you have already that we could put into this sandbox that would influence our thinking there? Hmm. When they get, when they're ready to develop ideas, that's when you're, you're transitioning out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I generally am. Yeah, I uh, early yeah. in my career, I did hang out and actually develop ideas. But okay. um, <laughs> I kind of got I think it's imp- <laughs> I mean, Yeah, I mean, there is, it's important. I think it's sometimes teams, well, if you can, you try to stay in there. We, what we try to do is what we call customer advocacy, because very, very quickly, also the people, they kind of, they lose the seat at the table again. Right. And then there's the product team just, so that's always right. a little bit of a danger. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is definitely a little bit of a thing. Um, uh, the thing that I face is people who have managed to get budget have only gotten budget, right? Yeah. Um, so I have sure. heard stories of other people doing this where they are <clears throat> brought in in the middle of some sort of a big solution. And they go back and they use whatever existing data to create an opportunity map to help guide the, the yeah. solution. Like the people trying to make the solution have gotten like all confused and going off in different directions. Yeah. Never happens, right? That's, <laughs> never, never, yeah, never. We never ever re-engineered anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was an example at a bank. And so this uh, team came in, did a, an opportunity map found where to focus, found the sandboxes and helped decide where to focus. Mm. And, and based on the first thing that they were going to work on, the software architects came in, the, the editorial staff, the content developers, everybody was coming in, looking at the same set of toys in the sandbox. Yeah. 
and it became. I love that metaphor, but I was just you took it out of my mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. I, but I do because you look at the sandbox and the toys in there. I mean, that's right. Talking about let's make our job fun. But you're talking about the like the words intent and purpose. It's like I could tell you. It's like you just wish there was a different word. It's like it's not exactly you're close. It's like as close as we can get with the language we have. But then, but sandbox. That's a great word because you understand, yeah. understand you're just, you're also not finished. Like you get, is a place yeah. to play. It's also kind of fun, but you're just, it's like now the, this work is, be, is beginning. Yes, okay. exactly. I think the the idea of moving between strategy space and problem space, strategy space and solution space, that's an important thing to be yeah. aware of. Yeah. Um, so the team I was just working with, we were making thinking styles of internal employees. So the purpose there was what went through your mind as you were addressing a big challenge as an employee. Um, a big challenge some of the time was working from home. A big challenge some of the time was um, not getting the promotion that I thought I was going to get, mm. etc. So we came up with thinking styles. And I'm, we, we, me and my team were lightly guiding them as they were doing the research. So I do that kind of work too, like more of a, an external check-in guide. Um, And I sort of lead the thinking style working sessions and stuff. Um, And they had actually attached to the bottom of the thinking style, a solution. They're like, okay, here's a solution for managers of this thinking style and how you should um, maybe uh, support me. Here's like five things for this thinking style, three things for that thinking style, two different things for that thinking style. And I'm like, okay, hold, hold on. We have to go through the strategy space first. We have hmm. to see those sandboxes first. And then we can decide which sandbox to play in and which solution to pay attention to. Turns out at the end, they're like, oh yeah, no, that's not the sandbox we wanna play in. The sandbox we wanna play in is the communications group and the communications on the internal website. And that's gonna be our first sandbox. And we're gonna make different communications for the different thinking styles. It's one of the things I just love about this approach. We we often hear about problem and solution space, but the strategy space, this is a very important thing in between. Yes. It's just, I mean, that's just like I've got a big star yeah. on my page here. What, yeah. what is it? What does it look like to create a strategy space? I mean, are these facilitated sessions? Uh, um, I assume there's some there's some education, but this is what we learned. But what does that process of developing a strategy space look like? You know, half of it is a mindset shift because. When we're working in our orgs, we tend, we do the things in a strategy space, but we don't do them consciously and intentionally. Yeah. Okay. And I'm trying to do a mindset shift of making it intentional. And so, yes, it is a pause. It is a point at which we have some knowledge from one place, some knowledge from another place, some knowledge from another place. We have a lot of knowledge. I put it into an opportunity map. I layer the heck out of that opportunity map with other knowledge that we've got, mm-hmm. okay? So yeah. so that, so that it, it, that opportunity map is gonna last for five decades. Yeah. Okay? okay. You know this from jobs to be done. You said yeah, yeah, yeah. without like Once having done a it question right. mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so you're going to layer stuff for like this year or this quarter and then take it away and layer other stuff, right? 
Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be adding capabilities and then measuring how well our capabilities are helping support a person address their purpose in a certain thinking style. So like that one for the, um, the employees of people with disabilities and the thinking style uh, was a positive, um, uh, proactive, like, oh, you know, I see that you're having this issue or, or you know, that kind of a thing. And they, the other thinking style was more reactive. If somebody comes mm. to me, I need a screen magnifier. Um, oh yeah, okay, I'll get that for you. Um, they were only supporting the proactive. And so what they needed to do was start putting in support for the reactive as well and measure like, okay, then you can go into evaluative research and measure how well it supports them and like put a little tick on your, on your diagram. Yeah, we moved it up. And then the next time we're going to move it up a little bit farther, or maybe we're going to switch to a different sandbox and move that one up. Okay. That's yeah. Really, really. I also just like, just from the, the, just the spatial arrangement that you kind of say problem first, then strategy in between, because you, yeah. I mean, I'm so used to talking about strategy, something up there. So if huh. we stay in a space, something overarching up there, right. or even detached from all of that, that, that it, well, it just kind of drives whatever we're doing. Yeah. But it I like that you're kind there of, or something. That's, yeah. It's kind of the link, right? So, so yeah, or something, at, exactly something at the very, very beginning, We've defined it sometime, but we all forgotten what it is. And now we're kind of moving on. So I really yeah. like there is yeah. the strategy is yeah. kind of the link between the two spaces. And it already gets filled with knowledge. Yeah. But a lot of the knowledge that goes into it is reactive knowledge. It's solution-oriented quant, or it's reactions to new technology. It's reactions to what the competition did. Um, a mm. lot, there is knowledge in there. So there's already the process of putting knowledge into your strategy, but we need some other knowledge in there too. So we can be more intentional about being more inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, it, I, I love this discussion because it kind of, I wanted to play a little bit the devil's um, kind of devil's okay. advocate, because <laughs> you could say, I mean, we talked about this going about it very freely and open and, and, and if I'm being very mean, we have no method, which is completely wrong. And, and that's not what you're doing. Right. But, and, and, and if you're more of a, I don't know, maybe business minded kind of guy, like how is the, pur how is this purposeful? What does it get me out? What can I really then take? But because at the end I need to sell a solution. I mean, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. kind of yeah. researchers talking right. shop, you know, <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, we all are exactly. So, so well, I'm try, trying to bring you that perspective. Well, it's like the research, you know, so we've the research will be done on July 30th. All right. So we'll have an idea generation session on August one. And it's like, no, <laughs> and it's, we all have to push back against that. And um, I think we feel right. validated in today. <laughs> I, um, yeah, yeah. I, just, I don't have a good. I don't have a good story to tell about why. Um, and so, is that is that a case you have to to make? Yeah. The um. So it's having that idea that we've got a more intentional strategy space that helps make that argument because that strategy mm. space is still going to feed the solution space and the solution space is still going to spin really fast. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. we're not taking that away, but we're feeding it much more concrete ideas. What comes out of the other end of that solution space is that yeah. you are supporting more people. And that 
leaves a mark on you. That's why you have to pay rapt attention to this person before the session yeah. and after the session. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean to pay rapt attention before the session? Yeah, pay rapt attention before the session. So I mentioned that we do an intro session. Um, there is a different way of recruiting that I use where um, you can't just ask a market research firm to give you a bunch of candidates. Okay, because those candidates may or may not have done a lot of interior cognition about the purpose. Hmm. So first of all, uh, you might get, you, you, you treat it as an invitation that you put out there for people to put their name in the hat. Mm. Okay. We don't okay. use market research recruiters. Um, and so it is a, I'm working with somebody right now in um, Australia in the uh, uh, agriculture field. And she wants to invite people who are farmers to put their name in the hat and the first, like she has to do it according to a protocol and they sent out emails and we were both just shaking our heads. Like emails are not going to do it. That's like marketing crap, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to pay attention to it. <laughs> You're going to have to get on the phone with your network and ask them to get on the phone with their network to get on the phone with, you know, farmers that they know um, to do a warm wow. invitation. So recruiting is quite a crisis. Oh, it's different. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's totally paying, yeah. that's part of paying rapt attention to them. You're thinking of them from their point of view. Mm. Um, if you were recruiting for um, somebody who, um, I don't know, for a purpose that included, um, I don't know, visiting a particular spot, you could put yourself in that spot or you could put little, you know, those papers with little tags that you pull off in that spot or something, yeah. you know, it's your first interaction with somebody and it's got to be an invitation, not a, you know, a poke or a prod or a, or a, we are smarter than you. Um, <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. So that's part of it. Another part of it is um, when you get these names in the hat, they may not all have done enough co interior cognition. So what you need to do is have a little introduction session with, with each person and sort of judge for yourself whether they've done enough interior cognition about it. It could be that they got all excited about that, that opportunity yeah. to, to speak to you. Um, and they're just at the beginning of it. They haven't done a lot of interior cognition about it yet. Hmm. How is that different than if right. they've, um, had, um, they've had a lot of experience or not a lot of, so let's just do with the cooking example. I mean, do you want yeah. to that? Is it, if they've had a lot of, it seems like they would, they would be correlated at least. <laughs> Here's a, that's actually a great example. I was doing an introduction session with somebody that I thought was a great candidate. They were a nutritionist who was a nutritionist coach and taught people how to cook differently. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you are going to have a lot to tell me. Yeah. We did an intro session and they could, this was actually slightly different. They couldn't get to the their interior cognition. I'll ask in the intro word? section. Yeah, I'll ask in the intro section, kind of like, you know, I know that you've got all this experience. Tell me about one of them. And I, I will ask one of those five techniques mm. for getting to interior cognition. And 
I so wanted her on the research <laughs> that I like stayed on that intro session for like 40 minutes or something, trying to get her <laughs> to talk. What went through your mind? Can you tell me more about that? Could you like pinpoint it to one time? So with that particular client, what was going through mm. your mind or how did you react or, you know, could not tell me about it. Um, and so this okay. is actually a little bit of a, a drawback because she has a way of thinking she has an approach that we mm. couldn't we could in that intercession get to but if mm. i had tried harder like if i had gone and maybe drawing would have been better for her if i had tried harder and done drawing with her or if i had tried harder and done texting with her over two weeks then we might have gotten there so okay. I did not try hard enough in that intercession. I, I am learning every time I do this, how to change this approach. That is, I love this kind of, you're almost trying to, how can you mimic, is it worded, or, or kind of just get so close to them that and it's maybe about just creating a safe space or really can, yeah. how, how can you make them open up? How can you, yeah. I mean. You can't make somebody open up. Yeah, that's okay. But you can enough. invite. Yeah, you can invite yeah. them. You show that you accept everything that they say, that you're not judging. Uh, you show that you are supporting their way of thinking. Um, you are also sensing when they hesitate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And giving them space. There's a lot of silence in these things. Sometimes it's silence because they need to try to think of the thing that they thought. Yeah. Or sometimes it's silence because they're like, do I want to go here? Yeah. And yeah. I, will, I will give them some space, some silence. If it continues, I may say, if we don't want to talk about that, that's fine. Um, I'm very aware of what's yeah. going on or trying to be very aware. I am not aware of it because I don't have to love it. I think that's so important. I mean, I so remember the kind of the first interviews that, that, that I was trying to do and I was scared to hell of silence because I was, I'm not getting anything out of them. And then I kind of, I need to poke and squeeze and however way I can find to make mm -hmm. them talk. And then it takes a lot of experience and kind of calm to just, just to accept that silence is fine. It's great. Yeah. And, and Take your time and it's exactly then when you actually, when you shut up and don't ask the second question that you had in mind, yeah. where beauty comes out. I mean, it's just, yeah. it takes a lot of, <laughs> I mean, I have to respect yeah. myself. I, I love to talk to us too much. So I'm always like, yeah. but you have to learn to restrain yourself a lot. Right. I mean, yeah. The every, I, so I sometimes will go through and do an analysis of a listener's style if they want to be oh, coached. Okay. Yeah. And there are some little verbal ticks that we have mm. sometimes. Um, like one person was always saying, so, okay. <laughs> and it's like, okay, whatever. That's your verbal tick. You bring your personality to this. That's okay. <laughs> so That's it could great. be that it's just yeah. a verbal tick. Um, but you're right. If if you're afraid of the silence, that's one thing. Just start to explore. Try practicing it outside. I love so it. okay. Um, no, just joking. <laughs> no, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just wanted to. I, I'm not going to intervene anymore. So I just wanted to uh, say one thing, which is, I'm always looking. I'm, I'm a fan of jobs to be done, as uh, I think we probably are, all are quite interested in it, at least. And 
I am always looking for um, approaches or um, ways of seeing the world that will challenge my uh, this uh, yeah. this jobs to be done view, because. As as much as I like it, I I always I do feel there's always kind of maybe something missing in the picture, and I'm I'm often I have to say a bit disappointed that people are not able to really challenge my this uh, this view this lens as people like to say in jobs to be done, hmm. and I have to say I would really recommend for anyone who is is of this mindset of uh, jobs to be done mindset. Not everyone uh, gets taken in, but for those who do. I'd really recommend to 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 read your material because I have to say it's one of the really few occasions I've read something that really kind of um, makes me uh, challenge some of my pre uh, preconceptions. And also, what I love about your work is the the fact that it all holds together so so well. So you've got obviously, I mean, I know a bit about the mental models and and the practical um, empathy, and I I love how it all connects. Basically, I mean, you, you, it, it's 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 a real framework that you're developing. It's it's coherent framework, and I and I have to say, I, I really like that. Awesome. And yeah. So thank yeah, thanks for for all your work yeah. and. Uh, one of the things that I see with um, Jobs to be Done is that it seems like it birthed a whole lot of agencies that go around saying, oh, I know how to do Jobs to be Done. I'll do it for you and we'll do it right. Um, and they'll do it fast and they won't spend the time. Um, so there's like, they're, I think they're doing it out of competition with the other agencies. And I think one of the things that it feels like you bring to this is like, hey, we're all, we're all after the same thing. We're all interested in trying to get somewhere new um and it's fine to take pieces of different methods and put them together it's fine to slow down and try to get more of a human um understanding and so i think this is like a deep breath yes and right let's mm. give ourselves some space let's not look at this like a road that we're careening down with competition let's think of it as a landscape that we're all living in uh together and we can help each other out um there, there was actually one woman who did her manager you know they they were jobs to be done um organization or using jobs to be done they weren't the the um agencies and they the boss wanted quantification of a market like she had found through the opportunity map a new opportunity, a new kind of market. So like quantify it the way that we do it in jobs to be done. Okay, no problem. I will quantify it using these thinking styles mm. in the survey that jobs to be done uses. I will describe these thinking styles and people will have agency to choose the approach that they use. And then yeah. I will be able to hear more from them. I will be able to have different questions assigned to different thinking styles. Yeah. And try to quantify it that way, but to try to um, sort of, yeah, yes, and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I, I, I believe I heard you say a while ago that, um, you know, during the strategy sessions, you also encourage them to bring in, so you, you bring in your research insights and what are the other insights you have? It's, yeah. So it's a lot yeah. of pressure to put on any one study to give you all the, mm -hmm. like to answer every question. Yeah. 
And I, I, I wrote down a quote from, a, I don't know if it's something that you wrote or that I, from, I watched a few of your YouTube videos, but I love this. Cool. And you said, build an enduring relationship with the problem. Mm. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like that should be on my wall. What's <laughs> <laughs> in there? Because there's I really love about, I don't even know if it's about, well, it is about your method, but it's just about your approach is there's a patience. There's a, yeah. It's a patience with, yeah. um, with the actual interview. There's a patience with how the time it takes to do the process as it should be done. There's a patience you need for this developing this strategy space. And, and I think I already mentioned it, but I'm gonna say it again, because I think it bears repeating just with the com the actual interview with the customer, you said it doesn't end until they say it. Ends. <laughs> I've never done that before. I've always been like, okay, Me neither, yeah. my brain just like, you know, I'm seeing I'm cross-eyed. Um, but it doesn't, right. they say, so there's a real patient. And so this phrase build an enduring relationship with the problem. I feel like there's just, there's a patience enduring, right? And mm -hmm. then once you have something and to use, to your point, you know, you have something that is in, not, it is enduring. Like when you really understand the challenge some ha somebody has, you know, cooking a meal, how long have we been preparing meals? Uh, a long, long time <laughs> doing it. So to say it will still be. To say it'll be stable over 50 years is a fairly conservative statement, but I guess I'm just making a statement. That's a good question. <laughs> but I just love this statement. Build an enduring relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Problem. Yeah. Love and it. and it's all based on like this this concept that people are smart. Also goes back to this emphasis on on, on listening. So a lot of times mm. I think it's it's we emphasize communicating we need to talk more blah, blah blah but maybe we should also learn to shut up and listen like, <laughs> why not why not try that one? i know right <laughs> the opposite is happening on podcasts by the way <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah well maybe we need okay. to talk a little bit more so that people start listening but anyway <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So one of the things is that um, this new book is an evolution from the old books. And it is a lot more because I'm always learning and there's going to be another book in the future. And one of the things in that book is that word listen. Hmm. And that word listen, when you take it at its like, like solid definition, it excludes a lot of people. Um, so I try to take it in a colloquial definition. Uh, language is going to shift. Eventually we may have a different word than purpose that's much better or intent mm. or job, mm. right? We're doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. So this new book is yeah. what's what, what do you have a title for it already? Or <laughs> I'm gonna say April, but every month I always say the next month and it still isn't <laughs> out. <laughs> so okay. I'm gonna say April. We, we'll the thing I have do to have know. Patience. Yes, we must have patience. <laughs> The thing I do know is that on April 7th, I start the live training for listening deeply. And it's a whole new version of the course. It's a five week course where we meet once a week. Um, the first meeting is just a half an hour. The other four meetings are two hours. And there's uh, a bunch of videos to watch in between and a bunch of practices and reflections and then in the sessions themselves we do some of the work we practice it together uh and we kind of okay. do discussions and learn together where can so where can people where should they go to if they want to know more if they want to subscribe if they want to have a newsletter yeah. what well, where do they find you where can they 
You would find me on IndieYoung.com, but also IndieYoung on LinkedIn and IndieYoung on Twitter. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like, I mean, we could go on for, well, it ends when it ends, right? So that yeah, maybe exactly. See that. I'm learning. You're so and and you, you felt the way that we got distracted with each other. We just went into yeah. it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what happens. <laughs> hey, anyway, Indy, thank you so, so, so much. I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. A, it, it, it's such an interesting, fresh approach. Um, Perfect. Yeah, that's what I also, you know, the new generation coming in and people shifting careers into this. It's like you have agency. Yeah. You may not believe it right now, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you so, so much for doing You're this. welcome. Yeah, yeah. Spread, you know, yes, and. <laughs> Take bits and pieces and mash up your own thing. That concludes today's Product Quest podcast. As always, I mean, please send any comments or ideas for future shows to us at productquestpodcast at gmail.com and see you next time. Okay. Okay. Now it's sorry, chocolate just, time. I have just kind of. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well done. <laughs>